Hello, this is Jackson. On this week's episode of the podcast, we talk to Chris Wesselman, the producer of the Cincinnati Fringe Festival. Let's be artful. What exactly is Fringe? Why should we go to it? Who am I? Am I weird? All of those questions will be answered on this week's episode, where we talk to Chris Wesselman, the producer of the Cincinnati Fringe Festival. Now, I do apologize for some technical difficulties during our recording, but the conversation is well worth it to listen to. So get ready for some laughs and some feelings during this interview with Chris Wesselman. Hello, Chris. Hi, Jackson. Um, So for those of you that do not know, Chris is the producer of the Fringe Festival. That's right. Um, That is a massive job <laughs> it's a pretty big job yeah right, have you slept at all uh a couple nights ago i think i got like seven hours last night i got four and a half <laughs> which is about on average i i will say though i am kind of a freak of nature like my wife my wife is a solid eight hours kind of person but mm-hmm. me like i'm i tend to function pretty pretty effing well off of like five hours yeah so i mean so really like four and a half like i, w- I just wake up like it's not like, oh, God, i got to get up. I've only had four and a half hours of sleep. I just wake up, and yeah, I'm still tired, but I don't feel like I need more sleep. Well, that's I good. just feel like I want more sleep. Yeah, normally, so. normally I either have trouble going to bed and then wake up fine, or I go to bed immediately. Like last night, I think I fell asleep at 2 after finishing one of the agendas. And I woke up at about seven o'clock, and I was just going, "No, I can't do this right now." <laughs> so, like, I stayed in bed for another like hour and a half. Not a good idea. Um, but um, so I didn't know about Fringe. This is the Cincinnati Fringe Festival. Correct. I didn't know about Fringe until Paul Strickland and Erica Kate McDonald mm-hmm. came to uh, University of Cincinnati to talk about what Fringe is. Sure. But for the viewers that don't know. What the heck is Fringe? Fringe in a whole is a worldwide theater and art phenomena uh, that started in 1947 in Edinburgh, Scotland. And basically what it was is there was another festival going on there, I believe the Edinburgh International Theater Festival. Mm-hmm. And there were a bunch of artists from that who were not accepted into that festival oh, gotcha. who decided, hey, you know what? Screw you guys. We're going to put on our own festival on the fringe, literally oh. on the outskirts of the other festival. And so the word fringe came from a theater critic whose name I've long remembered and a quote I've long for or I've long forgotten and a quote I've long forgotten <laughs> about it taking place on the fringe of the other festival. So then it became the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And now it's it's still very much about indie theater and independent producing and stuff, but it's so much bigger that it's it is long eclipsed the Edinburgh International Theater Festival and now now they have sprouted up everywhere. There are loose affiliations, but for the most part, for all intents and purposes, each festival is independent, and the same is with Cincinnati. We are our own entity, a production of No Theater of Cincinnati, but we are very much in the spirit of Fringes, which is independent production. All drawing from that first festival of, you know, misfit artists yeah, that basically a little bit, all band yeah, together. Yeah, there, yeah, it is very much about the community and about banding together and stuff like that, so... But um, but yeah, Fringe is you know one of the wonderful things about Fringe Theater is just that it's it's about not placing any limitations for the most part, creative limitations. Yeah, if you can dream it, you can do it at Fringe. Yeah, um, obviously there are 
technical limitations <laughs> and you know uh, can't fly without a right you know, exactly a wire. yeah 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 you can you can <laughs> you can you can think of all the happy thoughts you want but you're not gonna be able to fly on a wire so oh, okay um <laughs> nice um and so the tagline for the fringe this year is kind of weird like you correct First of all, I love that. Thanks. Because I think that describes the festival perfectly. <laughs> I think it describes humanity perfectly in my, you know. So why was that decided as the tagline? Like, well, how does that fit into Fringe? Well, that's kind of been our tagline for a while now. And that was a decision, a marketing decision that was made before my time. But it's one I do wholeheartedly agree with. Um, I think weird has some connotations. People think weird and they think uncomfortable weird. Yeah. But there's also that idea of weird just being different. Okay. And different, and everyone likes to think, or rather, not that everyone likes to think. So the lack of normal. Correct. Yes, uh, but you know, normalcy in and of itself is something that's a bit of a. It's something that doesn't really exist anyway. So you could say conventional. Conventional. Lack of conventional. Sure. Yes, that's okay. a brilliant way of putting it. You're such a good. You have such good way. With I'm. Words, I'm, I'm BSing it right now. <laughs> that's fine. So am I. That's all. That, that's all we ever. That's all anyone's ever doing. You're either good at bullshitting. Or you're bad at bullshitting. <laughs> and people know. People can tell. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so, um, and you said before your time here, so Correct. what is your history with the Fringe Festival? So, How long have you been a producer? How long have you been, you know, where, did you act in a Fringe? Yeah, I'll go all the way back to the beginning. Beautiful. In 2004, at the very first Cincinnati Fringe Festival, I was a patron. And I remained a patron at Fringe until 2007, when I did my first Fringe Festival. <laughs> I was in a show uh, produced by a friend of mine and his boyfriend, and the show was called Wet Dream. And awesome. It was kind of a it was kind of a Cirque inspired Cirque du Soleil inspired sort of thing, but it also it was very much more like a, a a vaudeville burlesque show. But there was some like aerial work in it, so they kind of thought of it as like a Cirque type show. But um, but uh, I I played a uh, a, a drag clown. Uh, who I had pretty much like tidy whities on and then uh, this kind of dress thing made out of balloons. That's beautiful. And I sang a Cole Porter song and I <laughs> popped the balloons as my, I sang my, the song. My sister's producing the podcast and she's, I, I don't think she can, I think she's crying. I love there this. are, I, I don't encourage anyone to go Google wet dream because you're going <laughs> to, you're going to come up with a whole bunch of bad stuff. But, or good stuff, whatever floats your boat. But, um, uh, but but there are pictures out there. If you if you if you use the right search terms, you'll probably find those pictures. Not that I'm embarrassed or anything. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then yeah. So then 2008. We get to 2008. 2008 is my weird lone year because I was actually doing a different production that was running simultaneously. I was doing a production of Jerry Springer the Opera That's at New Stage Collective. Yeah, that is a that is a bizarre show. Bizarrely brilliant, but at the same time, just utterly. W weird isn't even the right word. It's just bizarre. Yeah. It is a bizarre <laughs> show. Um, but it really past it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so, <coughs> so I think I only ended up. I only saw like one show that year of Fringe, just because I had performances almost every night of the festival. Um, but then in two thousand nine, I actually was an artist in the. I was a producer in the festival. Okay. Uh, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, two thousand eleven. I co-wrote and produced sh and starred in shows with some of my friends, uh, but then they all moved away, and so I was kind of left. But then 
right after that happened, Eric Vosmeyer, who was the producing artistic director at No Theater and ran The Fringe at the time, asked me if I was interested in becoming his associate producer. And I said, hmm, that's interesting. I really love Fringe. I love it more than anything I had at the time. There are the only thing I love, the only things I love more than Fringe now are my wife and my dog. Like, that's a pretty good hierarchy right yeah, there. Yeah, but at the time I didn't have my wife and <laughs> my dog wasn't around yet. So I loved Fringe most. Fringe shot to the top. Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh so he made me he made me he made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Like that. So uh so yeah, so I came on board as a staff member in 2011. Uh and uh when Eric decided to depart after the 2014 season, Fringe kind of was passed on to me. The torch was passed and now Somehow, some way, I have ended up in charge of the whole thing, which is just I still wake up some mornings going, "Oh, this is all this is my responsibility yeah. how yeah, how did that happen um but I wouldn't trade it for anything it really is it is just the most wonderful time of the year, yeah, it really is it's like Christmas plus Halloween plus Fourth of July plus New Year's Eve, plus a birthday party, all, all wrapped into one, and then, and then you have Repeating all the, every day. Repeating every day, right, right. And then you have I all the... I definitely feel that. You know, going to the yeah. bar series, I mean, you, you go to so many shows. Um, so for the people that don't know, you know, there are time slots that the uh, shows happen. Um, you go to shows, you can go to one, you can go to none, you can go to three. I talked with somebody. It's only been two days of the full festival. Someone's already seen six shows. It's possible. And yeah, you can see at least three shows every day. So. And, which is crazy. Um, and then at the end, uh, there's the bar series, which normally starts around 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And, and my favorite part of the festival is the bar series. More specifically the action talk news show yeah. <laughs> which you which you host with co- uh, andrew yeah, yeah i co-host with our with no theaters producing artistic director andrew hungerford yeah we've actually got we've actually, well i will say yeah the channel fringe hard-hitting action news update that was actually started by um someone who's in the festival this year sadie bowman from uh curie me away uh yeah. used to work here at the theater her st- I, I, I won't dive into all the details of how she, st- she started out as a fringe artist and was on staff here. Now she's back to being a fringe artist. Yeah. Um, but uh, she developed uh, Channel Fringe, or as we call it for short, Kafanu. <laughs> Kafanu. Um, <laughs> so uh, she developed that. Uh, and for the first couple of years, she co-hosted with, a, with an, uh, another staff, uh, staff member at the time named Megan Venzen. Uh, and then once Megan left, Sadie hosted it solo for a couple years. And then once I started getting involved as a staff member, uh, she asked me to join her. And then she left, and Eric became my co-host. And then Eric left, and then Andrew became my co-host. We've had a f- the occasional guest co-host over the years. And then I will say we actually have a couple hosting surprises for Kafanu in store. There might be some unfamiliar faces up on stage Excellent. at the news desk. And I may not be there. <gasps> No. We'll see. We'll see. I might be taking a couple nights off this year. Oh, cool. I deserve I deserve I think it. You deserve I deserve it. Deserve yeah. it. <laughs> so it, I, I didn't know that you were here as a patron for the first year. I was. Of the I, Fringe yeah, my friend was in a show called oh uh, uh called uh oh oh I I only remember the subtitle, which was The Lake Years. Oh, now I can't remember it. But uh, I don't really remember a whole lot about the show, but I do remember there's this moment. Where my f- the the character my friend was playing had a unicorn horn, and had sex with a dead frog with it or something bizarre like that. It was utterly fringy. 
Uh, and that really drew me in because I was like, I've never really seen anything like this before. <laughs> like, I've always been kind of a fan of of the more, you know, of of, of the absurdist playwrights. Yeah. And of, you know, I've always been a fan of Beckett and stuff like that. So, you know, theater theater that broke the norm was always a thing I was always interested in. But I didn't realize there was this whole other level of it in, in the in the world of Fringe where it was like, when you tell someone there are no boundaries and there's no censorship and they can do whatever they want, they really do whatever they want. Yeah. And sometimes that is utterly weird. And that's what's great. That's what's great about it. I know that's the stuff I like to do. So, yeah. so going from artist to running the whole show, mm-hmm. the whole shebang, how have you seen the acts transform? How have you seen the audiences transform throughout those years? Oh, man. That's... Oh God, that's a loaded question. Good one, Jackson. <laughs> um, how have I seen them change? I mean, they've gotten bigger, yeah, which is nice. Yeah, not only is. not only has the have the audiences gotten bigger over the years, but the the number of shows we've done have gotten bigger. Um, I don't know. What I think of when you mention that is that something that I always loved that that was kind of at Eric's at Eric Vossmeyer's forefront when he ran the festival was he he really wanted us to focus on Cincy Fringe being an artist centric festival or yeah. a festival that really appreciated the artist and was looking out for the artist's best interests yeah um and so you know there are lots of ways we do that first and foremost is we keep upfront costs for participating very very low yeah at some of the Canadian fringe festivals you have to pay like $600 you pay $600 and you're in and you get 100% of the box office, but that can be a lot of money to put up front for someone, especially when you have no idea about how much you're going yeah, to get bit back of, on your investment. There's you uncertainty know? as to yeah. what you can get back yeah. from. Yeah, so when we're only charging, you know, you have to pay to apply, which is as cheap as $40 if you do it early enough. Yeah. And then we, this, year we, this year we instituted a $50 production fee, but still that's under $100 to participate. And our average box office is around $850. So... You know, you stand to gain. You stand to gain a profit if you're yeah. if you're smart and you market well and you have a good show. Which I know those are very you know that, that's what a hard is thing. Good. Exactly. exactly. You know, it is. It's very <laughs> objective, man. Or no, subjective. God, I always get those confused. <laughs> subjective. No, objective. Subjective. Subjective. It's very subjective. Yeah. Yes. Right. Because something. Yes. Because nothing is truly objective. Exactly. Especially when it comes to art. No. 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 Um, so you just said, you know, applying is, is, is very cheap. And, you know, when people get here, they, I mean, I, from the people that I've talked to, they love Cincy Fringe. So how do you decide as a producer who's in the festival, who's not in the festival? It's, and because, you know, I'm assuming that a lot more people are applying than the people that get in. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. There's usually about three. So we have 35 primary lineup shows this year. We had 105 apply so it's wow a give or take about three times as many shows that we accept that actually apply to the festival it's hard man because we're so cincy fringe is what we call a juried festival or yeah. a curated festival it is a now a rarity among fringe festivals most have adopted lottery admissions which is basically like you apply and then they just pull names out of a hat and I actually, oh, it's, by chance. it's by totally by chance. Now there are some factors like at Orlando Fringe, I believe there are like different sized venues that gotcha. you're applying for with the lottery. So there are only a certain number from each that they pick and stuff like that. Um, 
<clears throat> excuse me. Um, but the way I've always looked at it is that with like those lotteries, you don't like, let's say, for example, you had a show about a talking banana. Um, or I, any, I'm all with you. Or any piece of talking fruit. If you, if you applied to a lottery and got accepted, there could be another show about a piece, about a talking vegetable that got accepted. Not the exact same show as yours, but something very similar. As soon as those two shows are in the festival, you're going to have audience members who are going to pick between those two yeah. rather than seeing both. So the way I've always looked at it is that having a curated festival allows us to make sure that the lineup is as broad and varied as possible when it comes to not only disciplines and regional representations, but genres and themes and stories and stuff like that as so well. It's, so, so it's really a balancing act. It really is. Yeah. It's not about picking the good shows out of the bad, you know, cause that's hard to tell. That's a very objective thing. Ah, right. Did I use that right? No. Subjective. <laughs> Damn it. I did it again. What am I doing? This is four, this is four and a half hours of sleep. You, your brain can't comprehend the words you're trying to put out, but, um, <laughs> um, but no, but, uh, and we don't do it alone either. We don't yeah. pick the lineup alone either. Uh, we, we had over, we had 43 theater professionals, educators, journalists from the Cincinnati area help us out. Wow. And we also had some friendly faces from Fringe Past yeah. uh, help us pick the lineup this year too. And really when they're going through, what we're, what we're looking for our jury to do is really just confirm some of the, like, is this truly a solo show? Is it truly, does it really contain women's themes? Like, yeah. do you feel this play is representational of what they say it's representational of? Because yeah. then that helps us once we have those things confirmed, you know. We do ask them for their thoughts and their feelings on on they what they what they discern to be the quality of the production. Sure. But unless you've seen something before, even if they send in a video of the show, it's really hard to know because that's the beauty of live performance is that yeah. it's only it's only truly experienced in the moment in the room when it's right in front of you and you can feel that energy and you can feel the spittle on your face. Yeah, you know, definitely. that's when theater is at its most potent. So, yeah. So, so it is. It's a balancing act and it's always tough because there are always shows that you want to put in the lineup, but we just don't have room for. Yeah. Or it's like you have to, to pick between the f talking fruit show and the talking vegetable show when they're both really good, you know. And so that's the tough part. It's you know, it's rejection is tough, but we can't accept everybody. Yeah. And how do you balance between uh, returning people and new acts? Because I know that you know a lot of the patrons will, or even the artists themselves will be like, oh, you're here again. Like, great. Like, let's get together and, like, you know, be able to talk about your new show or, you know, the new thing that you're doing. So how do you balance between the returning people and new acts and completely fresh faces? So those sorts of categories that can be divided into twos, new versus returning, mm -hmm. out of town versus local, we try and hit as much of a 50-50 split as possible. That's good. Um, and that goes for, no, that doesn't go for anything else. No, it doesn't. I don't think so. Not, nothing <laughs> that I can think of. So, yeah. So, <laughs> you're going to edit this, right? Yeah, sure. Maybe, maybe not. It doesn't matter. This will definitely be the part that you want to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you're you wanna, where, yeah, where exactly. Because you want to give a true representation of who I am <laughs> and the person I am. And I am, oh, I am fallible. I am only a human being. I make mistakes. So, I think maybe your listeners will appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, yeah, so those, those things that can be easily divided into two categories, like our talking fruit and our talking vegetable, um, 
are as much of a 50-50 split as possible. Occasionally, every year, there's a little bit of a tip in the balance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It's, it really is a magical moment when the lineup starts to come together. Yeah. Because I can't really even begin... I don't know. It's tough. You have to be there when it happens, but you're not allowed to. Yeah. So only I can truly know what that experience is like, I guess. Because it really, it's not me going, well, I really like this show. I'm putting it in. Yeah. It really is just about you start with one and then you start to put the puzzle piece together. And then yeah, you it's like, it's like putting together a puzzle. It and is. Like it's you a finally see those puzzle. last few yeah. uh, open spaces and you're like, okay, I have to yeah. figure out where these go. Yeah. It's like, oh man, I really need another dance piece that's not about politics yeah you know and so yeah it really is making the puzzle piece and then you and then it's sleeping on it and tinkering with it some more and sleeping on it and tinkering with it some more yeah usually takes about five to six days once five to six days to really get the lineup to where you go okay this is this is nice and balanced but even then even when we talk about balance there's always overriding themes like this year i feel like mental health is is yeah, the I noticed big, that. Is the big through line. Um, because when you see that, when I see that in the application pool, that there are certain themes that are overwhelmingly the majority, mm-hmm. then to me that tells me this is what the current zeitgeist is right now. Yeah. And I can totally believe that because I feel like mental health is a big talking yeah, point absolutely. right now. You know, it seems like, you know, we've we've erred on the side of mental health rather than gun control yeah. with themes this year, which I think is kind of very, very appropriate. Well, not I think, to get too political well, about but I also, things. But I think that it speaks very true to, you know, a comment that someone made to me that um, it was actually Darnell, who is the face He's of the face uh, of Fringe. poster. Yeah, yeah. And he hates when I say that, but it's going to be on the <laughs> podcast. Thank you, Darnell. Darnell um, Pierre Benjamin, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Um, but he said... It's really interesting to see art when it's on the developing side because you can tell what the political climate is yeah. and you can tell where the national dialogue is Absolutely. going. Absolutely. Yeah. Because especially if you see if you start seeing um because I went to go see at the No Theater um uh Kill Move Paradise. Kill Move Paradise, yeah. And we actually talked after the show and that's when he said, you know, all these shows are starting to be developed and it's because it's the national dialogue. And yeah. so I completely buy the fact that, you know, if mental health is a huge issue that's happening, that a whole bunch of people would be creating shows behind yeah. it, um, which is fantastic. You know, it's pushing the national dialogue, and it's also the people that are actually attending Fringe get to see all, you know, incredible material, all with different perspectives on similar topics. Right, yeah. Like, there are two shows um, that I can think of off the top of my head, Show Up and Fade Away Girl. Show up is fantastic. Yeah, I saw that on Thursday. It was great. yeah, but they're both solo shows that are very much dealing directly with mental health, but they're completely polar opposites as far as style. Like Peter's show up from Peter Michael Moreno is uh, is pretty much an almost an entirely improvised production. Yeah. Whereas I know Rachel has worked very hard to to create a show that that to create a show that represents her viewpoint uh, on the matter. And it's not improvised at all, yeah. as far as I know. I'm if I'm wrong about that, Rachel, I apologize. But I'm pretty sure there's no improvisation in it. Yeah. So being a part of the no, uh, being a part of the fringe for so long, um, and being a producer, especially you know when it's coming to deciding what is happening, what you know, all the little bits and pieces moving around. What's the most difficult thing about putting the festival together? 
is it the balance or is it just finding stuff that may not have been submitted? I think a couple of years ago, I would have said it's the actual scheduling mm-hmm. because the way we used to do scheduling was that show we based what time your show started off the length of your show plus 45 minutes. So like we had shows starting at like 725 or 805. Gotcha. Or everything was completely random. But then a couple of years ago, we shifted to this more structured block scheduling format. Yeah. Um, and so scheduling has gotten uh, gobs easier. And I will say that the, the, the centerfold for the magazine is so clear. Yeah. And... I was actually able to, you know, go in, circle the things I wanted to see, and make sure, okay, does this all line up? Sure, and, sure, yeah, I yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think the block scheduling helps significantly. A lot of the design uh, kudos goes to Sarah Beth Hall, who's uh, a, one of our design specialists here at the theater, and she also manages the bar series yeah. during Fringe, but she also does a lot of design work. This is actually this is actually her last year here at No. She'll oh, wow. be doing the summer show, and then she's going to grad school, so... So well, congratulations. Kind of a, it's kind of a bittersweet year for Sarah Beth Hall. I'm, so. I'm already one year into grad school, and I'm, <laughs> I'm ready for that next year to be done. <laughs> so. um, but yeah, but definitely now the hardest part is just picking in the lineup. I yeah. mean, I'd say the whole thing is hard, but to get more specific, it's definitely picking the lineup that is, or finalizing the lineup is the better choice of words, is the most difficult part of the process. Other than the curated acts... What makes the Cincinnati Fringe Festival unique within Fringe as a whole? Um, and how do you think the Fringe Festival represents Cincinnati arts as sure, a whole? Sure, yeah. Well, I think to almost sort of answer both those questions simultaneously, I think one of the things that makes Fringe unique from a lot of other theater and art and cultural events is that this is, this is the time of year where the entire Cincinnati theater community gathers together. There are people... I get to hang out with and talk to at Fringe that yeah. I only occasionally see the rest of the year. Most of the time, we're all off in our own little corners at our own little theaters that we're working at. Yeah. Um, and it's really so fantastic for everyone to get to come together. And over the years, you've seen so many artistic relationships and partnerships blossom from that. And that includes having all the out-of-town artists, too. It's such a wonderful influx of creativity from people that we didn't know previously or that we only get to see once a year at Fringe. And so to have all of that, to have that critical mass of creativity kind of gathering together is just, it, it, it tends to be people's favorite part about it. Yeah, And that all happens, like you said, here at Bar Series, which, yeah, kind of, can be more popular than the shows themselves sometimes, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's everyone in a room being able to talk, not yeah. just the audience to audience, not just artist to artist, but literally I can walk up to, I mean, the reason why I'm interviewing so many people, so many artists uh, uh, over the next couple of days is because I literally walked up and said, are you an artist? And they go, yeah, can I tell you about my show? And like, <laughs> they will be, they're so open to talking about what they do. Um, it's passion, man. That's, yeah. It's the passion that drives it. And that's, you know, that's one of the, if you are not passionate about doing this kind of work, then you should re- you really need to find something else to do because without passion, it's doing a lot for financially for very, for very little, sure. for very little. Just ask my wife. <laughs> Just ask my wife, who who has a very well-paying job and busts her butt 
busts her butt. I will give her all the credit in the world. She busts her butt, uh, but she makes a lot more money than I do. <laughs> yeah, but I get paid. But I get paid in a lot of different amazing ways that that enrich and fulfill my soul. I'm glad that you said and that. She appreciates that. Yeah. So. I'm glad you said that because the next question I had was, what's the most rewarding experience or part of the Fringe Festival? being a part of it and producing it. You know, producing it, producing a fringe is kind of, it's, you know, I don't have any children. Uh, I have my dog son, Chewy. Chewy boy, if you're listening. I love that. You don't understand a word I'm saying because you're a dog. But, um, and I love my, I love my dog son, but it's nothing like being a real father. Um, but the feeling, the pride I have Helping get all of these shows onto their feet is akin to, I'm sure, what fathers feel like, you yeah. know, when they see their kids achieve something. Yeah. Or when they see them grow up and move on to their own lives. Um, you know, because I get, I get so intimate with all these shows over the four, four to eight months that I'm aware of their existence and that they have applied and are accepted and are, you know, getting ready to go up. And... Pre, I, I'd say we just got done with our sixty second, our two nights of sixty yeah. second previews, and that's really my first chance to have any idea of what any of these shows look like on a stage, and so it's that's a really cool moment to just sit there and go, oh, that's like I'm so proud of you guys, yeah. you know. So it's yeah, it's very much like being a dad. So I'd say just that process of of. Of of helping helping these shows get up on their feet is is just it makes me feel very happy. Yeah. That that I'm helping make that happen. So the final question I have is a question I'm asking everyone. Okay. But for you, it's gonna be slightly different. Oh. Normally I would ask what do you want the audiences to take away from the show that you're doing? But for you what do you want people to take away from the Fringe Festival this year? I'd say this year or every year, any year, I want people to realize that theater and art and cultural events like this are not something that needs to be placed on a pedestal, not something that you need to dress up for, not something you need to spend a lot of money on, not something that you need to be sophisticated to enjoy. Fringe, you can be kind of weird. You can be kind of weird. But fringe, fringe is for everybody. And at Fringe, there is something for everybody. Yeah. And what I love for people to take away is that they can have those same kind of, you know, soul-altering experiences that they might have at La Boheme in a storefront on Main Street in Over the Rhine wearing flip-flops and with a ball cap on because it's not who you are, it's not what you wear, it's not how much money you make, it's the experiences you decide to partake in. And here at Fringe, everyone is welcome and that gives everyone equal footing to have those same sorts of experiences. That was the perfect answer. Thanks. Well, Chris, thank I you had it so written, much. I had it written down. So <laughs> This is scripted. Damn it. Um, they figured it out. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely, I, I know Jackson. that you're Thanks immensely me, busy. Yeah, I'm um, taking a little but, break But, right you know, now. 
and also just just to say this at the very end, thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely, because man. I I emailed you out of the blue. You did. Um, I was like, on a, this like guy? a Monday morning. Yeah, and. I got a res- it was a long long email. It was a long email. Yeah, it was it was brutal. <laughs> it's very long. I'm very long-winded. That's why I, <laughs> I that's why too. we are, that's too. why we have a podcast. Um and so and and I got a message back in about 2 minutes you and it just said okay. It was perfect timing, man. Like you caught me right when I was like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to catch up on my emails and you were just at the top of my inbox. So, good on you for good timing. Perfect timing. It was perfect timing. Awesome. Well, I'm enjoying the hell out of this I'm Fringe Festival. That, I mean, Thank I, you. I, I, it really is a place where you can feel like you are creating a community and you're mm-hmm. gaining more friends and you know more connections through the arts. And that's what the podcast is really about. It's being able to talk about you know anything that you see, whether you like it or dislike it. You know whether you had a really good experience or it just wasn't for you. Fringe. I mean, I, I think you said it best. You know, fringe is for everyone for in any everyone. situation. Absolutely. Um. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. This is wonderful. Thanks, Jackson. Thank you, Chris, for an amazing conversation. I absolutely loved meeting with you. And again, thank you so much for the opportunity. If you are interested in the Fringe Festival, make sure to go to www.cincyfringe.com for all your fringy shows and the tickets that you can buy to them. That will wrap it up for this week's episode. Make sure to stay weird, Fringe, and have an artful day.